and welcome to episode 61 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from Ghislaine Maxwell's holding cell, is Dr. Luke Wessence. How are you doing, Doc? I'm very well. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's another one of these sort of strange places that the, the spontaneous travel device um, mm. has brought me to. Um, plays, a very good, uh, plays a very good game of chess. Does 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 old Helene? Does she? Uh, yes. Um, she's. How are, you uh, that? How are you pronouncing the name? Um, I'm pronouncing it the same as her lawyer did. Go on. Um, Give it to us uh, again. Uh, he- he- Helen. Helen, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's. Um, you would think that responsible news media could make an effort to get people's name right now, wouldn't you? Mm, you well, you think so, but you know, we live in a in in, in a post fact world, doc. So <laughs> drop your expectations. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've uh, I've I've learned a couple of new variants on the Queen's Gambit declined. Mm. Oh yes, sure. Um, mm-hmm. did, um, is, she, is she handing you? Is she handing you your ass on the old eight by eight? Um, uh, my brain is well. Say my brain. Um, my brain's in there somewhere. But there's 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 a the brains that formerly belong to a couple of really good chess players mm. um, attached to my spinal column. Mm-hmm. So she, she's she's not having it all her own way. But I mean, uh, you, you can probably imagine conversation is a, 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 a bit sort of in short supply. Sure, yeah, she's right. not in the mood to chat at the moment, is she? Um. I don't completely understand this, but I mean, uh, uh, apparently, like instances like this, just sort of take the wind out of people's sails and render them like somehow less than sparkling company. Um, I attempted to interest her in, like maybe she could bust out a few Pam Airs routines for me. <laughs> um, yes, but she 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 didn't she didn't feel. Um, she didn't seem like she was in the mood for busting out some like saucy and borderline naughty fun for my mm. entertainment. Mm. Uh, by chance, whilst you've been there, has, has she had any other visitors? I don't know. Let's say a prince from an unnamed country. Anybody pop by? No, I mean that um, the, the, uh, the trustee came by to um, to mop the floor, mm. um, and. Um, a sort of fairly chipper warder um, mm. opened a little flap and said, "But you know, all right, things going okay. Um, mm. Had your food yet? Um, do you want a cup of tea?" Right, <laughs> all very mundane. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I was hoping for spice dock, and, and you've given us bloody mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um, my sincerest apologies. That's reality, right. can be, reality can be disappointing. That's true. That is true. No, normally, your exploits are, are are dashing and adventurous. So, on this occasion, you are forgiven, sir. Um, do you want a quick video game update? That would be lovely. I started playing. As you know, I've uh, I've completed my uh, five month um, quest to. Platinum, the the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, and I finally managed to uh, to do that, which I was very pleased about. Um, so I started upon a new game called Gravity Rush.
I, I might have mentioned it before because I did, I did dabble with it a few months ago, but the, I, I started it in earnest now. Now the crash is over and done with. Um, it's a PlayStation exclusive, uh, initially released on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita, the portable um, device. The finest video game console of all time, by the way. Anybody who's never played the Vita, don't fucking... What, where were you, guys? Where the fuck were you? Um, What's the name of the game, please? PlayStation Vita. <clears throat> Not that maybe maybe this isn't surprising to you, but I, I can honestly say I've never heard of it. Doc, I don't think you're alone. I think lots and lots of people, even people into video games, have never heard of it. And it's a crying shame. It's it's an absolutely fantastic piece of kit, wildly over-engineered um, by Sony, um, but unfortunately to its detriment um, because it, it, it rendered it unnecessarily expensive, difficult to develop for, um, and, and, and thus it became quite... You know, quite quite the uh, quite the niche product. Huh. Even though it's fabulous, it's it's a real real shame, Doc. Um, about uh, say it again, Doc. When 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 was it current? Oh, I think it came out either twenty eleven or twenty twelve, um, and <clears throat> by twenty fourteen, Sony had dropped it like a stone and were pretty much pretending that that it. It never actually existed in the first place. So, um, just help help me out through my yeah. experience. My understanding is that the development and putting to manufacture and then marketing and then distributing all of these things is is, is a staggering expense. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, I mean, yeah, like a, a, a military level expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm. I don't even know what what question I'm supposed to be, or, or I, I really want to ask here. Um, you would think, wouldn't you, that if they've got a brand new product, mm. one thing they might try to do is to bring people into the fold who've never owned a games console before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is what this is what Nintendo, Nintendo do so brilliantly. Yeah, so um, I put it to you that their advertising is absolute shit because oh, it's this, 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 this is my first time to even hear about the existence uh-huh. of this. Yeah, nine years after its release. Um, when presumably I should be at least a tiny like um, percentile mm. of the target audience. Well, you're into your tech, aren't you, Doc? Uh, no, not so much. No? Um, I mean, I... Um, I I own like a um, twelve-year-old cell phone that you can just about make telephone calls on when the wind's blowing in the right direction. Mm. Um, I own a ten-year-old computer. Mm. Um, I um, the quote-unquote television I have is a um, repurposed fourteen-inch PC monitor with a VGA connection on it. Oh, so I'll rephrase that, Doc. You're not into your tech, are you? So, so what? You know, so, so why would why would Sony be kind of targeting it at you? Well, I I assume these are mass market items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume these are not um, my assumption would be that the marketing department of any decent sized company would think to themselves. Um, how can we reach out to people who've never owned one of these products mm-hmm. before? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you? 
Absolutely correct. Uh, you can you commute from time to time, don't you, Doc? You, you know, you don't always drive to work and stuff, do you? I um, I haven't driven to work for twenty years now. There we go. So it's, yeah, so you know, um, as as somebody who commutes exclusively, you know, you're you're, you're kind of prime audience for for a portable gaming device. Um, and I also see a lot of adverts on a lot of railway trains and yeah. at the back of a lot of magazines and on a yeah. lot of railway station platforms. Oh yes, oh, it was catastrophic. The the, the 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 marketing for the Vita was absolutely catastrophic. Um, almost nobody knew it existed, unless you kind of went out of your way to find out about it. It was it's absolutely bonkers. So, um, hint to anyone who's actually considering marketing something like this: um, Why don't you try letting people who might not already be a member of your little club? Mm. know that it exists <laughs> some of them might buy it yeah you're right i, I, I mean it, it's such a catastrophic catastrophic failure i think we're looking at i think last time i heard um somebody talk about it you know somebody who knew what they were talking about talk about it in total over its lifespan it sold something like 10 million units um now that's in the whole world you know <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely catastrophic for something that where, where the R&D would have been so expensive. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what would you imagine the break-even would have been? Oh, 100 million probably. Oh, blimey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of the PS3 didn't break even until it sold 100 million units. So approximately the population of Bangladesh. Yeah, ha. there we go, Doc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm. Um, so yeah, Gravity Rush. Just it, PlayStation exclusive, um, developed by Studio Japan, and baked into that, for, you know, for those that know, is Japanese wiredness. Um, it's it's absolutely batshit crazy. Um, you play a young girl called Cat, um, suspiciously young, by the way, Doc, for the uh, amount of upskirting that's going on. Let's be honest, um, and. She has, as a companion, a cat. Even She's called Cat. She has a cat. And this cat somehow kind of bestows magical, gravity-defying powers upon her, um, which she has to put to use, saving a town from the ravages of this kind of mysterious, parasitical, alien-ish alien or demonic-ish life form called the Nevi. Um, <laughs> and their, their, their design is absolutely crazy. The, the, the most striking of them look like, look for all the world, like um, bed bugs, like giant bed bugs. It's, it, it, it's really, really good, Doc. I'm loving it. Huh. Really good. Um, just, just, it, it's just power fantasy stuff, you know. Um, you're flying around, d d hither and thither, defying gravity, kicking the living shit out of out of aliens get the get the hell off our world kind of shit basically <laughs> great, man. yeah and, and anybody with it anybody with a playstation um either ps3 psv to ps4 or even ps5 you can do it all through playstation now get yourself some gravity rush down your necks you won't regret so it. which which model are they up to now uh ps5 is the latest okay uh, that came out i think in November 2020, I want to say. Yes, yeah, so just over a year ago. Um, 
at the moment, I've got no interest in in obtaining a PS5 because there's almost nothing to play on it because everything is backward com- everything's backwardly compatible to PS4. So what's the fucking point? Well, just to give you an idea of how appalling the outreach marketing is for any of the stuff, um, the last model that I was aware of was the PS2. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doc. I mean, you're going back to... Ooh. I think that, that kind of went out of out of regular circulation in about 2008 I'd say I think the piece I think the PS3 was released in 2007 so by, by 2008 you know the PS2 was done and dusted so I mean that that's the last one I saw any kind of publicity for yeah yeah that's the last one I I, I saw actually advertised anywhere there we go doc there we go so Get down your local game tomorrow and go and get yourself a PlayStation 5, Doc. I encourage you. I urge you. In fact, I insist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What have we been listening to, Doc? Um, Lots of different things um, this week. Um, Not many. I I, I don't know sort of which of these I can easily sort of bring up in the context of the podcast. A lot Mm. of them are stuff, some of them are stuff I've already mentioned. Some of them stuff that's a lot like stuff I've already mentioned. And I I do like to come up with something new and interesting. Fair enough. Um, which I'm not entirely sure I am able to do at the moment. So I'm going to go back over, um, like, I don't, like, write down what I've been listening to in a notebook or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I can just sort of look at my MP3 player and, and remind myself of what I've been listening to over the last one week. So if you go first, I can do that. Fair enough, Doc. Well, the, the, I've been a bit old school and a bit predictable, I suppose. Um, I've been listening to a bit of Metallica, um, a bit of okay. Justice for All. Why, but I think two or three episodes ago, you mentioned um, the Unjustice for All album. I can't remember the, the context of it, and it just put it in my in my head. And it, ever since then, it's just been kind of niggling at the back of my brain. Oh, I need to I need to check that out. I need to check that out again. Um, and so that's exact that's exactly what I've done this week, Doc. I've, I've listened to it three times, I think, beginning to end. Um, does it stand up? You know, the, the, these are the questions I kind of wanted answered. Does it stand up to the test of time? Is it as kind of crushingly heavy as I remember it? Um, are, the, are the songs as 
structurally similar and yet at the same time kind of diverse enough to, to remain interesting? And the answer to all of those questions I'm, I'm pleased to report back is yes, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I sort of imagine that by now Metallica would have long since passed through the trend barrier. Yeah. Um, you know, that the, Metallica, I think, suffered greatly from being like borderline fashionable when And Justice for All came and, and then when the Black Album came. I, I, mm. I think it was like um, they, they, they had an alarmingly broad reach. I knew people whose dads bought the Black Album. Mm. Um, and I knew comparatively normal people who owned Injustice for All. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously then they suffered a huge backlash. But I, I, I imagine that in, in the 30 intervening years, yeah. um, then sort of time has enabled people to, to, to sort of cast a cooler eye over Metallica's back catalogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that stands out is just the, like the clinical precision of their songwriting, you know. I mean... My God, it, 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 they are smooth as fuck, man. Um, I, I don't mean smooth like you know, you, 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 like in, a, in a, like a jazz funk kind of way. Um, Not like Christopher Cross. No, you know, you know what I mean. What smooth is just you know their 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 precision with those transitions. Um, yeah. You know, just the way that they can carve out like the like groove from a melody and and and, and then like transfer that into. Into the, like, a crushing riff and then break that out into into the solos. I mean, they, they really are. You know, take away all the bullshit, all of the Napster crap, and and you know, and, and any kind of right wing leanings, the, the ultra right wing leanings they might they might have, any of that kind of nonsense. Get rid of all of that stuff and just listen to the music. It 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 it's it's well crafted stuff, Doc. Um, honestly, I was never enough into Metallica to be greatly upset by. I, I, I think one of the things you're referring to is the infamous interview where the, uh, they did, where um, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Lars who said this, and he said they um, they greatly regretted the anti-American stance that that, that that their early albums took. That's right. Yeah. So and and they kind of doubled down on that, didn't they? With with the the, the track uh, "Don't Tread on Me" on the, the Black Album. rather unpleasant I think tonally but you know um, yeah <clears throat> um, I, musically, I, I, musically there's the, 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 you know there's no doubt these are master craftsmen 
Yeah, um, they're they're one of those they're one of those bands. Um, I suppose they're what I have. Um, what can I say? Um, they hold the place in my heart that the Rolling Stones do in yours. They're sure. one of these universally massive bands mm. um, who are constantly written up in everyone's canon of the greatest things ever in rock and roll. And I, I, I've, I've just never, ever got it. No. I, I, I think I might have an, a bit of an explanation for you, Doc. No, I mean, not that I can read your mind, but I know your musical taste quite well. Um, I think what they lack and what, what they lack for you is a real sense of kind of, of atmosphere. Um, I think it's a bit too clinical for you, Doc. What, what, do, you, what do you reckon? Mathematically, written down on paper, they've got all the stuff that should make me like them. Mm. Um, but I, I find it hard. I, I find it hard to concentrate on. I find it mm. hard to listen to. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, it, it's probably you know it's it's over 30 years since mm. i heard metallica for the first time now mm-hmm. and um i can't say i'll keep trying with them because i really don't um oh and by the way listeners um i have never even tried anything after 1993 because i really don't think that would do it for me fair enough um but i mean the the undisputed heavyweights the the sort of early those those three early middle albums mm. um i've i've tried with really quite hard um and i i, I promise you I'm, I'm i'm not being dismissive and i'm not just sort of putting it barriers or something I, I i can't um they just don't do it for me mate no that's fair enough though. that's fair enough have you had time to cogitate yeah so i mean um it's hard for me this week to pick out something that i haven't already gushed about um I'm going to mention uh, Triad by Takashi Mariko. Uh, it's another one of my beloved Japanese city pop albums, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's a genre or a style or a, a means of production or whatever you want to call it that, that's, that's been very very prominent in my my listening for I mean, a, a good 
sort of, it's probably been 22 years since I took up Nakamori Akina and Nakayama Miho very, very heavily. Mm-hmm. And they've never gone away. And sort of as, as, as my, my catalogue um, has expanded, I've been listening to more and more and more stuff. Yeah. Um, I wish I could tell you it's particularly radical and it will change your life and you need to, and, and you need to, but I mean, the fact is you don't. Um, there's nothing about any of it really that will change your mind or challenge any of your preconceptions about what early 80s Japanese pop is going to sound like. Mm. Um, if you don't like it already, um, I'm so very, very crying shy about like trying to turn people on to different kinds of music or, um, and you know, pe- pe- people have to sort of come to different stuff in their own ways. Um, I dislike evangelism for reasons you can probably guess. Um, I dislike people trying to convert me to various causes. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of crying shy about doing the same thing for other people. Um, it's um, if you like, if, if you're already predisposed to like Japanese pop music from the early 1980s, um, I believe you will find Triad by Takashi Mariko a delightful example of the, um, the style. If you're not predisposed to like it, it ain't going to do a damn thing to change your mind. What do you like about it, Doc? Can you encapsulate for us what, what, what you get from this stuff? Um, it's absolutely completely different to anything I'd ever listened to in my life. Mm. Um, and I, it holds a sort of very, very special... It, it, it found me at a place when I was particularly vulnerable, and I, I, I don't mean emotionally vulnerable, but sort of when I was beginning to be done with my musical projects, um, I was, and I, I don't want anyone thinking that I was depressed or suffering from mental illness, or, or it, it's, it's as simple as this. I was coming to the limits of my own creativity, and I was coming to the limits of, and God, this sounds pretentious, my own capacity for anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so fucking burned out on constantly searching for something that's new, something that's different, something that's more radical, something that's got a sound that I haven't heard before. Um, And there was a good few months to one year of my life when anything that blundered through the door could have stood a really good chance of like, um, of of, of, of sort of taking root in the the, the, the fetid compost um, of my consciousness at that point. Um, and the thing I happened to blunder into was, um, I mean, this, this was sort of already between 10 and 15 years old by the time I got to it and, and was, was already dated, um, but was sort of old Shoah era Japanese pop. And what immediately captivated me about it was, on the one hand, how technically skillful it was in terms of the arrangements and the musicianship and the production, and on the other hand, how blissfully naive it was um, in terms of the, the vocals and the song subjects. Um, and then sort of when you got around to seeing some of the video clips, um, compared to the very, very highly polished, very airbrushed pop music that was about, I suppose, by the year 2000 in Europe and the US, mm. how ham-fisted and amateurish it looked. I've always really admired your um, kind of love love of this, you know, you know certainly in Europe, you know, this kind of niche 
form of music. You know, it, it shows genuine passion um, and, you know, re real appreciation of something really quite unusual, Doc. And, 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 and for that, I love you even more than I already did, Doc, let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> My suspicion is, um, if you'd have played any of this to somebody, like to, to, to a perfectly normal pop kid in 1985 in the UK, the kind of person like of my age who used to buy smash hits or something. Um, apart from the fact that they wouldn't have been able to understand the lyrics, which may or may not have been a problem. Um, I don't think it would have been obnoxious or off-putting to mm. any of those people at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's by no means, it, it's, it's by no means difficult. Mm. Um, it's by no means sort of particularly challenging music. Um, it's just something I absolutely fell hell over he uh, head over heels in love with. Um, and I've spent a lot of the intervening time sort of trying to acquire it. Um, I, um, I'm not even a particularly acquisitive person when it comes to material objects, but um, I, I will confess that when I got my long sought after pristine vinyl copy of Fushigi by Nakamori Akana, through the post and I opened it and I listened to it and it, 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 it was all I've heard. Um, I gave the thing a hug and I think I whispered to it, now you are mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely marvellous. Um, do you want a topic? That would be lovely. Uh, give me a number, please, sir, between one and 17. Um, 14. Okay, let's have a 14. look. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, actually, this ties in rather nicely with what we've just been talking about. Oh, great pop songs, Doc. Off you go. Um, so, having talked all this stuff up, um, I should probably at least mention a couple of examples um, from some of the, 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 um, the things I've been talking about. Um, Let's try and limit it to three each, if we can. Just you know, just just for just for brevity, brevity's sake, in terms of recording and editing. Sure. Um, so, not my favourite song, but if you want an example of a perfect pop song within that particular idiom, I'm going to say "C" by Nakayama Miho. Which is spelled like open square brackets, C, close square brackets. 
and mm-hmm. that's the title of the song. Um, it's got a beautifully naive and wobbly synthesizer intro. Um, it's got Miho's vocals, um, and she's she's no one's idea of a great singer. Mm-hmm. Um, what she has is a naively affecting voice, um, and particularly when she's singing a song about apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Doc, you, you don't have to limit yourself to J-pop. You know, this is just great pop songs general. You know, but but, but if you, if you choose to go J-pop, that's fine. Um, sure. So. Um, one moment of extreme anal retentiveness. Mm, go on. Um, J-pop is generally considered to be a very specific subset of Japanese pop music. Oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? Um, I've opened Pandora's box. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, J-pop, so... Which sort of these days is typified by AKB48. That stuff has its own fans... Um, it's got people who really like it. I'm not one of them. Mm. Um, so um, without having to get snotty with you and go, get it right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Stop getting uh, Bond wrong. <laughs> no, stop getting Bond wrong. <laughs> well, it, it's, um, it's, sort of, it, it's, uh, it's sort of the equivalent of, um, if we can spool back the conversation, um, someone saying to you, um, oh, you know, I... Um, uh, I tried listening to Metallica a few times, but I, I'm um, I'm uh, I wasn't really into blasphemous cyber necro metal at that point. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, let's face it. Um, <laughs> when 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 you're into the stuff that we're talking about this evening, um, it's not unusual to meet a genre Nazi now, is it? No, you're absolutely correct. Yes, absolutely. Um, so. Um, Generally speaking, for want of a better word and to use a description, because I don't know what the correct abbreviation would be, uh, some people like to call it city pop, mm-hmm. but city pop is also a fairly delineated subset. Um, I call it Japanese pop music from approximately the early 80s to approximately the mid-90s, because mm-hmm. that's really snappy. Yeah, but that, that, that's far more catchy than J-pop, isn't it, Doc? Yeah, you're dead yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on your side. Shall I give you my I should... Oh, go on, Doc. Oh, I, I, I just feel the need to bring this joke up again because I really enjoyed it the first time. Um Please do remember, you're talking to the person who spent like a good two weeks of his life, wherein if somebody had said to me, what kind of music, like what, what, what genre of music are you into? What kind of music do you like? My heartfelt answer would have been The Key by Nocturne. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's all. Right. Yeah, that is the beginning <laughs> and end of my musical. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my first one, Duck. Um, now. I have a, a, a real kind of affinity for Madonna. Um, yes. I love Madonna. I, 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 I mean, she's, she's put out a couple of stinkers here and there. Of course, in, in, in such a lengthy career, you're always going to. Um, she's made some kind of dubious choices along the way, I suppose. Um, you know, that, that sex book was a bit tacky, wasn't it really? Um but her rightful heir must surely be Lady Gaga. And there is no finer pop tune of the 
last 15 years, I would say, than Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. bring up uh, when you bring up Madge or LG mm. um, you're you're kind of almost spoiled for choice um, I sort of I'm really glad you didn't challenge me to name my favourite Madonna song sure because um, mm-hmm. I mean I, I, I could probably just bang out eight one after another well I mean obviously um, it's Jerish Wouldn't have been one. Um, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm teasing you, Doc. I'm teasing. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I mean, um, I think every single, without ever having heard any of the albums from beginning to end, every single song by Lady Gaga I've, I've ever heard on the radio um, would qualify as being a really great pop song. Yeah, I agree. I, I, t- I totally agree. Um, I've never heard a bad song by her, um, but to me. Bad Romance is the one that stands out. I think every moment in it, every melody, every hook is, is pop perfection. And she strings them together with such depth, deafness of touch. Um, her voice is wonderful, not overly produced, not too much effect on it. Um, and, <clears throat> I mean, dare I talk about the choreography, knowing absolutely nothing about it? All I'll say is, I think the video is fucking awesome as well. There you go. Yeah. yeah, great. Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, Doc. Go on, have you got a second one for us, please? Oh, yeah. Um, I Feel Love by Donna Summer.
and yeah, very good. It's one of those examples where, um, and it happens sometimes. It happens more frequently than you might think, and particularly around about that time, when unabashed pop music um, hits the zeitgeist so perfectly that it manages to be more cutting edge and more radical than anything the sort of chin-stroking underground is even mm-hmm. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it manages to do is to be every bit as uncompromising and radical as anything that Kraftwerk ever did. Mm. Um, it manages to be queerer than Liberace. Mm. <laughs> um, and um, despite owing obvious influences to, um, well, very, very pale, very, very German people um, who... Well, let's just say this. Ralph Hutter and um, Florian, um, in public, when they're being interviewed, they could probably be a bit more bashful about the more shameful aspects of their country's past. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll just put it that way. Fair enough, Doc. Yeah. Um, Despite all of that, um, and Donna's record came out at a time when funk and disco and jazz were not to put to find a point on it uncle tom in it a bit mm. um, and i feel they've managed just despite being greatly influenced by extremely pale german people manages to sound blacker than anything else that came out that year mm. Mm. It, 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 it's an all-time classic isn't it surely yeah um I, all the, all-time classics, I think, are really, really easy to name. Um, and you can buy, you, you, you can easily find books of reference. Um, I particularly thought that one was perfect because it managed to be not uh, pop as in populist and pop as in genuinely popular, mm. um, whilst embracing the cutting edge and the underground and being more radical than anything else that was about at the time. Mm. I, I, I think it kind of uh, invokes feelings and thoughts and musings of of kind of bliss in music. You know, music engendering bliss that predates like the you know like the ecstasy movement by what a good ten years. Um, you imagine there was some animal nitrate, yeah floating around when that was being listened to in its environment of choice, wouldn't you? Well, you're right, Doc, but you know, having taken both ecstasy and amyl nitrate, amyl nitrate does not um, engender those kind of feelings of unin- uninhibited love in quite the same way. They It, it enables the physical act of love, um, yeah. but it does not necessarily engender the feeling of love. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go next? Um, I'm going to go with... Um, <clears throat> Eurythmics are a band that I've always appreciated. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a darkness, a melancholy to their music that I've always thought several, you know, a few of their tracks would, would, would make for good metal covers. Um, but I'm not going to go for one of, their ob- one of their obvious tunes. Instead, I'm going to go for almost their comeback tune. They, they went away for a bit. And they mm-hmm. came back, I can't remember quite the year, maybe 94 or something. This was their, their comeback single. And oh, it's wow. called Save the World Today. Mm-hmm. 
the reason I love it is because I mean, her voice, of course, is is just stellar, and the, the, you know, as always. Um, <clears throat> but it's the concept of the lyrics. The lyrics are very, very generic and almost childlike. Hey, hey, I saved the world today. Everybody's happy now. The bad thing's gone away. Everybody's happy now. The good times are here to stay. Um, very, very, almost like nursery rhyme, sim simplicity. But it connotes so many ideas in the head. You know, this this is some, some kind of sci-fi fucking horror that's taken place. You know what I mean? They're, they're just <laughs> simple words. You can paint whichever whichever image you want on that particular canvas. I think it's magnificent, Doc. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Um, I am going to have to track that track down. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a, it, it, you know, it's kind of a few years after their heyday. Um, and it never quite hit, unfortunately. Um as is the way with with with, with musical trends, you know. Um, once you're deemed kind of over the hill, you're never quite forgiven for the, for the, for the crime of getting old. Um, and so, so I think they were never going to re kind of re reclaim their former glories. But as a comeback track, it's right up there. It's one of my favourite Eurythmics songs, and I think it's just a, a piece of of, of, of magisterial pop music doc there you go there we go um have you got a last one for us yeah um irresistiblement by sylvie vatin oh my god you you make my life so easy And I think that's that problem. That, like, I'm pretty certain that was 1966. Mm. Um, and it's, if you know what mid 60s European pop sounds like, or specifically if you know what yeah, yeah sounds like, mm -hmm. um, I adore me some Francois Sadi and I love me some Franz Gall. And um, it must be something about breathy voiced French girls who. Mm look underage whilst being in their 20s. <laughs> um, yeah, the best kind. The best kind. I, I know this is probably conceptually a very difficult thing for people to understand. Mm. Um, I, 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 I don't understand why anyone would find those that, that, that particular combination appealing. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sylvie's track um, is just the definitive, the, the, the definitive exhortation um, mm. of uh, that particular métier. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, do, do you remember the first time you heard it? You know, was there a moment? Um, it's one of those songs that, um, if ever you watched BBC Two documentaries um, about, let's say, the Paris riots of 1968, mm -hmm. 
Um, whenever they would like have a little montage of contemporary newsreel footage, they'd very often uh, paste that song or a song like that. Um, so I, I, I first heard it probably when I was six, six or seven or something like that, um, in the context of being the soundtrack to a bit of a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, and it's sort of one of those songs that I earmarked as, and someday I'll find out what that song is. Mm-hmm. And of course, in those days, you had no way of doing that. Sure. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like the kind of thing, though. What's the name of the motherfucker... Um, um <laughs> rather disparaging way to describe an excellent journalist, by the way. The the guy that did the power of nightmares and all that all that all that shtick. Oh, um what's his name? Did Charlie Brooker has worked with him? Um oh man, it's kind of a Nick Broom Nick Broomfeld contemporary. I've no idea. You've oh, man. Then, over on them. We'll have to chat time that next time. Don't worry, don't worry, Doc. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's okay. a tangent. I'll, I'll find out for next time, and we'll, we'll, we'll put that in chat time next time. But it, but it sounds about... like the kind of thing he would use in his documentaries. Yeah, um, it's a lovely song. Mm. Um, it's a very, very lovely song, mm. um, and um, it will make you want to go out and buy a Breton shirt and wear it with a a double-breasted blazer and some slightly too tight white jeans um, and smoke galwas until you get lung cancer. Mm. It will make you want to do that. I mean, I could be looking in the mirror right now, Doc, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last one... Um, it's a bit of a silly one, really, because I've chosen it not because I think it's a musical masterpiece, but because of the musical masterpiece it could be if handled correctly. Um, and this is something we have discussed before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before. It is, of course, Gina G's classic, Who Are Just a Little Bit. was entered into the Eurovision Song Contest. Did it win? I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it came anywhere close. Oh, really? <laughs> um, it should have won, Doc. My God. I'm beating my patriotic heart at the very thought of it. Um, now, the reason I love it so much is we spoke many, many years ago about how that tune, if you put it into the hands of Bolt Thrower, Yes. And got them to play it half the speed and double strum and double bass the fuck out of it. I think we played it in in, in practice a couple of times. I think we might have done, you know. Yeah, I think we might have done our own little kind of bolt thrower styly version of it. Yeah, Um, I think you're right. It would be absolutely magnificent. I don't know if you remember this, but um, when we when 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 we started that project, um, 
I introduced the one and only track that I'd ever written beginning from, from beginning to end. And I introduced and I, I, I made everyone stand in close formation around the microphone. Um, and we did it as um, a sort of soul swing beat track in the style of Boys to Men. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a vague memory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't so successful. Mm. But doing Ooh Ah just a little bit in the style of Bolt Thrower was massively successful. I think you did. I think you once gave us it, 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 it back in the early days of that band as well, a sensational um, kind of boys to men uh, rendition of what's the fucking bolt thrower tune? The, the first track oh, of Fourth um, Crusade. Is, is it not actually the Fourth Crusade? No, it's not. No, no, it's not. It starts with a W, I'm sure. Um, oh uh, Jesus, Doc, our metal credentials are, are falling falling apart. Hang on. In any case, my my part went like this. Mortified by a lack of conscience. That's it. And I remember you and the drummer were beautifully harmonizing in perfect fifths. Uh, <laughs> That's it, man. Uh, That's it. That's it. Yeah. Mortified by lack of conscience. Yeah. Sanctity bears no relevance. That's right. Hang on. Hang on, Doc. Doc, vamp for me, man. I'm going as quick as I can. Um, so, but Mo is Mo is lost in reverie at the moment. I am. It is the fourth crusade, Doc. You're right. I, I do apologise. Pretty confident. I, yeah, I, I do apologise. I'm sure that had a different title, but no, you're right. It is the title track. Yeah, my apologies, sir. Um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions um, before we're done with this, um, because I need. I, I feel the need to explain. If we're talking about perfect pop songs, um, and they they didn't quite make the cut because I'm weird. But um, if you're talking about p- perfect pop songs, first of all, we've um, Madge and Lady Gaga we've mentioned already. Um, someone's going, what no, Kylie? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can't get you out of my head.
I, I wondered if, we, if you're going spinning around. not so much um what's the um confide in me oh yeah What no, Abba? Um, gimme, gimme, gimme. Oh, yeah. Jackson 5 um, honestly um, I want you back Oh! 
really, really, really needs to be in there as well. Um, Fair enough, Doc, but yeah. everybody already knows to, like enough about all of those tracks already. So I'm only going to do one honourable mention, and that would be um, uh, "It's a Sin" by the Pet Shop Boys. I don't think it's. I didn't think it was enough of a pop song, but "Rent" by the Pet Shop Boys. Oh yeah, almost, almost made my list. Yeah. of the show usually of course we play the track at this point uh the track of the week but no track today because we have reached the end unbelievably doc we have reached the end of the fifth album seasons in the abyss and so we're just going to kind of give you a brief kind of final thoughts i suppose of our ultimate um ultimate is is, is a really good word to use mm. um i mentioned last week that this is this is the end of this 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 is the omega of many things for me it's the i'll never be able to not think of this as the end of the classic period of slayer sure um i go i go one album further than you because i i count divine intervention in that in that group personally um i put it to you that um if slayer had broken up at this very moment in time, they'd be one of the very, very few bands in the history of music uh, who broke up without a black name against the like w- without a black mark against their name. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, like um, there are some albums that are better than others, but basically they'd have completed five at least very, very good albums. I agree. Um, and apart from a slight dip with Seasons in the Abyss. Each album was 
slightly better, at least slightly better than the previous one. And it's wildly it's different. South of Heaven. South of it, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and wildly different to the previous one. Yeah. Um, so five albums in five different styles, but all recognisably thrash metal and all mm-hmm. recognisably Slayer mm-hmm. um, and all at least very good. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm really, really struggling to think of another band who can get close to that record. Five in a row. Um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Um, I mean, does it have to be five, including the debut album? Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Otherwise, yeah, otherwise you can cheat. Um, I mean... By the way, I still don't completely think that rules out Iron Maiden. No, I mean, that, 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 that was at the forefront of my mind. Of, in, in every, um, but, you know, just because I'm awake, it's always at the forefront of my mind, but um, um, in, in particular in this context. I don't think I, 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 that, that first album was a first album. Um, it's, it's not great. Um, no, my stumbling block, though, Doc. I think you're misunderstanding me with Maiden. My stumbling block with Maiden is, is actually the second album. I don't really like yeah. it very much. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I don't like. Um, is it Genghis Khan? on there I don't like Ides of March which everybody seems to fucking love I know Killers is is the stumbling block for me there, Doc. Out of interest, is Mm. Running Free still, you once said it's the only Iron Maiden song that you wish you could completely purge from the back catalogue?
I think the problem with it is, I don't think it's a terrible song. I think the problem with it is, when they play it live, which they do far too frequently, <laughs> <laughs> as in ever, no, no, no. Um, that's the one that they choose to like, do an extended version with audience interaction. And yeah. that always fucks me off. I d I've got the same problem. We we've already talked about Metallica this episode, but Metallica do it with Seek and Destroy. <laughs> Again, I don't think it's a bad song, but it's just been tainted in my mind by this hideous kind of audience interaction thing that they insist on fucking doing. Can you imagine Slayer doing like an audience interaction section when they're fucking get fucked? <laughs> if it was Angel of Death, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, clapping along. Auschwitz. Yeah, clapping along. And, like, and, 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 and offering, and offering like, uh, uh, repeating the chorus over and over and over. Yeah, and but, offering yeah. the microphone to the people in the front row. Yeah. Infamous. Butcher. And then offering the microphone, Angel of Death. That's right. <laughs> Monarch to the kingdom of the dead. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, what band it is. No, you know, I, lo I love my, I love Maiden so much, but but then then they start titting around like that, and I just think, don't you, don't you, don't you really feel fucking stupid doing this? Oh, I would, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, running free is kind of Iron Maiden's equivalent of, let's say, Born in the USA, isn't it? it it's, um, I think it's a song that a lot of Maybe not now, but a lot of their old school fans like says says some, as, as the Smiths would say, say something to me about my life. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a, that 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 tracks a great point of identification for a lot of teenagers who are into Nawabum. Yeah. In nineteen seventy six, mm -hmm. um, and I think in the eyes of a lot of historical fans, that's having that track is what sort of drew a lot of people to them mm, i agree i totally agree and and i think maybe that's why it just doesn't work for me because because i, I just don't have that you know that that that's not my lived experience doc <laughs> <laughs> so um how yeah we're actually talking about can we think of another band that score five out of five no. um, at the risk of being counter controversial if i'm counter controversial tell me does that make it controversial in its own right, or does it make it merely reactionary? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go reactionary. First. Right. At the risk, yeah. Okay, at the risk of being reactionary right. or counter-controversial or, counter or mm. just controversial, um, I think um, Hello Waits occupies an equal position in the Slayer catalogue. I think it's inferior. To, the, fir the first album is raggedy and very imperfect. Mm. I think it's full of life and full of vibrancy and great ideas. And I think the second album is a bit of a retreat from that. Mm. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. 
before this project, I would never have imagined it possible. But upon deep analysis, um, some would say too deep analysis, um, I tend to agree. I, I think, you know, revisionist history and all that, I think that Show No Mercy is a better album than Hello Waits. I think Hello Waits has two or three songs that are better than anything on Show No Mercy, but the overall product, Show No Mercy, is better. Um, I, I mean, uh, let's sort of be frank about this. Show No Mercy is cheap as chips and sound like it. It's yeah. hell is rough around the edges. Mm. Um, it could do with at least two and probably half a dozen rewrites. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's just so fucking full of life and and, and 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 so vibrant and very obviously the product of um, people who just want to make an album. Damn it! That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. just kind of full of the spunk of youth, basically, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you, I ended up having a lot more affection for it by the end than I did at the beginning. Mm. I mean, something, um, something like Cro- I mean, the, the, one, the uh, Chronics is one that stands out to me. Just being absolutely sensational, and uh, what is it? Is it Metal Storm Face the Slayer? What a fucking track that is! Totally took me off guard. Um, so we're actually supposed to be talking about seasons in the abyss, aren't That's we? True. That's true, but you know, we make some rules here, Doc. Yeah. Um, I mean, album number five, um, chronologically, album number one in, um, you know, just in in my general opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a bad track on it. Um sure. We'll, we'll we'll probably get around to like comparing the scores and looking at the averages before the end of the episode. But I mean, every single track is at least very very good, mm. and um, at least four of them will blow your tits off good. We yeah yeah, yeah. we we've 
we've discussed the um like the lyrical content of course in great depth do, do you con- do you miss Doc, the like the the absence of um that's a double negative do you miss the supernatural elements from from the lyrics from 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 the earlier albums Doc? here's the thing i expect to and notionally i do but yeah. in reality i don't yeah um when i'm thinking about the period of Slayer we're in now. We've had pause to comment. We've had cause to comment, haven't we? At least a couple of times. How long has it been since Slayer have given us some good, gory, satanic fun? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I stand by that sentiment. I really enjoy it when Slayer um, kind of get a bit less mundane and a bit less prosaic and give us some good, gory, satanic fun. Mm-hmm. Um because I'll always be a little adolescent boy at heart. Because it's only really on this album, Spirit in Black, isn't it, that, that, that really goes even anywhere close to that kind of territory. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when I'm listening to the record, um, I, I don't find myself particularly missing it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great example of this a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking of at least one director who I'd gotten to know through his supernatural science fiction work. Um, and I'm trying to work out where in... Or, I got to know him through his work in a particular genre, which he didn't stick to throughout his career. And I expected to miss it when it wasn't when he wasn't making those kind of films and then somehow I, dis- I, I, um, somehow I didn't. Um, this isn't the person... I, I was thinking... I, I had a much better example, but here's the one I can come up with right now. And if you got your start in Stanley Kubrick from... 2001, and then A Clockwork Orange, and you sort of had him, and, and, and you, you got into him as a director of science fiction or future dystopian films, um, and then maybe The Shining, um, then you might have found yourself thinking, Stanley Kubrick made a war movie, I don't really want to watch that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you watch it and you find out that it's still a Stanley Kubrick film and it's got the same heart and soul to it, um, and it's a really good film, and you get in, you, you you get into it just as much. Yeah, I suppose somebody like um, you know, any director that really kind of jumps around genres would 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 classify in that way, wouldn't they? You know, especially like aut- but but they have to be auteurs to kind of be comparable with Kubrick. I'm thinking, I mean Tarantino, perhaps would that be valid? Um, Quentin Tarantino has never stood still. He, he, mm. He's never repeated himself even once, has he? Um, I mean, uh, he, he he made basically a, um, a, a an extremely violent drawing room drama. I mean, I, did, I, did, I would say that's like an inverted heist movie, isn't it? That first Reservoir Dogs. Well, uh, I uh, I always think of it as being like a hair's breadth away from Alan Akeborn. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, it, if you, it could be performed on stage, couldn't it? Yeah, and it, 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 it's got that thing that Alan Akeborn always does where you have the cast of characters and they move in and out of the room um, mm. so that at some point every two characters are alone with each other and then every possible group of three is left alone with. Um, so you and, play with and, every dynamic. Yeah, um, mm. and that's all it is. Mm. Um, and then he does like a super postmodern... Um, like really, really European or even Soviet style um, 
messing with linear narrative and messing with genre conventions thing. Um, then he does a black exploitation film, then a mm. martial arts film, mm. um, mm -hmm. then a war movie, then a western, then a western. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the Quentin Tarotiness of it is the only thing that stays constant. I, 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 um, but yeah, that's the point. You, you, you're, you're the, the people who. I was going to say the people who went to see Pulp Fiction were, were the people who already knew they were going to go and see Quentin Tarantino's next film. Mm. Hey, you but know, then, um, you, you, you know, he's 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 always maintained that he's only going to make ten movies. Okay, um, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was movie number nine. Oh, and he's always maintained that before he retires, he's going to make a Star Trek film. Oh, Doc, I'm all a tingle. I'd fucking love to watch a, a, a Tarantino version of Star Trek. He, um, not to disappoint you, he riffs and trolls on this one quite a bit. Mm. Um, or, here's the thing, maybe he just changes his mind as he gets yeah, of older. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, because I remember him saying, and this, this is, I'm going to go back to about 2001 or 2002, um, that he couldn't tolerate the idea of retiring before he'd made a James Bond film. Ah, yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you remember, and they they turned out to be rumours, mere rumours. Um, but there was a persistent rumour that basically after Die Another Day and the franchise had pretty much committed suicide, um, that he'd somehow done a deal possibly with Kevin McClory or someone like And he was going to do a dead straight Casino Royale in black and white as a period piece set in the 50s. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean... Looking back, it's quite clever. Uh, looking back, there's obviously no way that was ever going to happen. But if someone wanted to concoct a rumour that was going to get diehard fans frothing at the mouth, including mm. me, mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and I shamelessly walked right into it. You know why? Because I wanted to believe. That's right. Well, I'm the same with the Star Trek film, Doc. I don't give a flying fuck if it, if it makes any sense, if it's part of canon. I just want to see Tarantino do Trek. It would be so, so interested. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, would, you, would you want him to Tarantino it up? Or Absolutely. You... That, that's what I want. Right. I, want okay. I want a Tarantino film set in the Trek universe. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really, really what I want. Doc. Seasons in the abyss. Come on, we, we, we're starting to run a bit long, I guess. Um, well, I think it's the album that we've ended up like ver verbiaging about the most, mm -hmm. without repeating myself um, and without boring the, the poor people in listener land to death. Um, I think I've kind of mined myself dry on this album. That's all right, Doc. Is it, is it, did, did, and we kind of did it with the lyrics in a way, didn't we? You did, did, I think we've commented already. With the, certainly with the first three albums, like discussing and dissecting the lyrics was was a really easy process because you know the, 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 obviously the, the, there were gems in there, there were there were moments of terrible writing in there, <laughs> but but all the, all the time there was interpretation. We could analyze it. When we, yeah, and, and you would come up with, "Oh, this is what it's about," and, and I would come up with, "Oh, this is." And you know, we would agree to differ at times, or one would persuade the other. Because there was that sense of ambiguity. Whereas I think for the first time on this album, pretty much every track 
I would say with the exception of the title track, it's pretty fucking blindingly obvious what the songs are about. Um, so, 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 so it's kind of made it, it's made our job a bit more difficult, hasn't it, Doc? Um, I'm answering, I'm going to answer your question by saying this. You asked me whether I missed the, um, the charitable side of me will say the spiritual dimension mm. to Slayer. Ah. The uncharitable side of me will say um, the tits and gore and zombies dimension of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, oh, a bit of bush. A bit of bush. No, stop getting Bond wrong! <laughs> I'll tell you about the spy who loved me. All do that with your fingers round your eye. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Bang! Blood dribbles down. We're on a submarine. Two sailors sit down and have a game of chess. And the cups start wobbling, and then a man who used to be in the Eden line comes in and goes, Why are the cups wobbling? What's going on? And then he... Yeah, you can stop doing that now. And then he pulls down the periscope thing, looks through it and goes, Oh my God, the submarine's being eaten by a giant tanker. And then we cut to Moscow, and there's a man there, and he's rushing, he's got eyebrows, you know. And he's on the phone going, What, a whole submarine? You're joking! I'm going to have to tell some other Russians, see ya! And, right, and, then, and then it cuts to James, Roger Moore, and uh, yes, he's with a lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's necking with her. Right, and he goes, I've got to go, love. Something's come up. Uh, he, uh, yeah. he means his cock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then he, he, he puts on his underpants and his ski suit, and he gets on his skis and he starts skiing, and he's being chased by these Russian shits in black jumpsuits with lemon piping. And, uh, and he's just skiing along like that, and, and they start shooting at him. And he goes, right, I've had enough of that, just stop it! And he, and he turns down this gun, and then he does a backward somersault off this ramp, and he, he lands on his feet. Uh, I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. And, and then he, and he goes over a cliff, and he's falling, and you think, oh, God, James Bond's going to die! He's going to die! But then, at the last minute... He pulls a ripcord, right, and a, a parachute comes out, and it's got a union jacket. Michael! Michael! <laughs> That's not the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning goes like this. Glang, glang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Glang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Nobody does it better. And I'm a naked woman in silhouette with a gun, spinning round. Makes me feel sad for the rest. Nobody does it. Oh, bit of nipple. Quite as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Da, 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 da. And now, really big bounce right over, and I land on my feet. Da, 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 da. I wasn't looking. And somehow you found me. All uh, bit of bush. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's a partridge line. It's all right. um, I've got a partridge reference for you that yeah. I have to. Um, I have to retcon onto the previous episode, but I'll do that later, just, right. to, keep our, just to keep our narrative non-linear. Sure, absolutely. Um, what I do miss is terrible, terrible Kerry King lyrics. Mm, mm, mm. Um, we, and, we only got two or three examples, didn't we, on this album? Yeah, and mm. I, I've, I've really found myself missing them. Um, I, I mean, I, I I don't think we're ever going to get a line like "By Cloven Hoof, be gone." Ah, that's, that's not terrible, is it? That's absolute fucking genius stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you and I know it's genius. Yeah, yeah. But for 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 the uninitiated, yeah, I know. Um, you asked me right at the start of this um, album to make a note and to remind you of it, so I'm going to do that right now. Yes. Um, 
you said during the seasons in the abyss retrospective, which we're doing right now, revisit South of Heaven briefly. What did you mean? Um, I wanted to get to know whether, right, South of, I alluded to this in the previous episode, South of Heaven, the album, begins with what seems like a concept setting, almost like a table of contents. Sure. Track. It's this this list of, the, 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 they're not rhyming couplets, but the, the, this, this long list of mini poems. And it seems to me that they were abstracts or presses of concepts that Slayer were then going to elaborate on and elucidate on. Um, in the following tracks. Um, not that they sound alike, clearly not that they were written and produced at the same time, but I can never get the idea out of my head that South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss are almost like the, the two discs of a double concept album. Yeah. Um, there's no good reason for me. I, I, I can't say that the writing styles are the same. The vocal styles are definitely completely different. Mm. They're definitely completely different beasts, but... And I think what it is that the track Seasons in the Abyss, uh, sorry, the track South of Heaven and the track Seasons in the Abyss, which come at the beginning and the end of the albums that they're named after, um, seem to mirror each other and seem to bookend a body of work that lies in between them. Um, if you're going to ask me to justify this with musicological or textual evidence, then uh, then I can't. Of course I can't. Um but they just feel as though they do somehow. And I can see logic to your thesis here, Doc, because I think of all of Slayer's albums, these two together, South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss, seem the closest to each other in terms of style, production levels. Um, so whilst... It seems clear that we both agree that Seasons is vastly the superior album. Yeah, it could not have it could not have existed without the precursor, which was South of Heaven, which was almost like the experiment that needed to be done before yeah. Seasons yeah. could happen. And so, these two tracks at either end of these twenty tracks, I mean, that they, they are thematically similar in some ways, you know, because South of Heaven obviously talking about, well, hell, just a generic word, and then the abyss, which could also be considered to be hell too. Um, and in terms of atmosphere, they are quite similar too, aren't they? Because, the, you know, the, these are the two tracks on each retro. They're the title track of each album, and they are also the, you know, the most in quotes, like musical track on it, the most sedate, yeah, yeah. The, le the least aggressive track on each album. So that dread, that dread phrase, statement of intent, south of heaven, well, you know, we're, we're, we're a new beast now. And then maybe well, by, 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 by ending this album with this track, it's them saying that, that that's the end of that chapter and we're, we're moving on to new stuff again. Um, let's play a game. I'm sorry to spring this on you. Um, I'm going to read a line from the first verse of the song, South of Heaven. After I read the line, 
I want you to read the matching line from the chorus of Seasons in the Abyss. Can you do that? Hang on, let me, let me get the lyrics up. So I need to open up Seasons, right? Yeah. Yeah, hang on. Um, hang, and, on and, hang on, Doc. Let's get this... Um, I, I, don't know what, I don't know whether to ask you to read the chorus of Seasons in the Abyss immediately after I've read all of the verse. Or whether we'll, 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 we'll try and weave the... I, I'm, I'm going to read the verse. I'm going to read the first verse. Then if you can read the chorus. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay. An unforeseen future nestled somewhere in time. Unsuspecting victims, no warning, no signs. Judgment day, the second coming arrives. Before you see the light, you must die. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes, look deep in your soul. Step outside yourself and let your mind go. Frozen eyes stare deep in your mind as you die. Close your eyes and forget your name. Step outside yourself and let your thoughts drain. As you go insane, you go insane. What have we learned, Doc? Well, I think those, I think those lyrics sound like they're separated at birth. Yeah, do, 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 you think they could overlap? Yeah. We could do a mashup, basically. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think you're entirely wrong, Doc. I think it's perfectly possible. Yeah, that you, mm-hmm. you you could interchange those lyrics and, and and it would work perfectly fine. They're the only two songs on either of those albums that attain that, that seek for or attain any level of abstraction, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think no, I think you're right, Doc. Yeah, it's a really really interesting point. Um, Doc, are you ready for for some stats? I am. Yes. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> obviously, everybody everybody listening, this is the the, the highlight of your of your two month listening pleasure. Listening to us doing some basic maths. That's this right. is what you came here for. for That's probably. right. That's right. Um, hang on. So, <clears throat> um, Seasons in the Abyss. Here we go. So, Doc, your average score was an unbelievable 9.075. <laughs> there you so go. Out of Ten tracks. That's your average score. My average score was a probably quite insane nine point four. Um, I think my possibly got bumped up because um, I believe I scored Dead Skin Mask as ten million 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 billion. million, <laughs> I, 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 I did discount that, Doc. I, 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 I just said that as ten. <laughs> In the same way that I, I think I I, I scored uh, Ghost of War six hundred and sixty six out of ten, um, yes. and I discounted that for the previous. So, so, so I've played by the same rules for both of us. Um, so we've got. You gave um, one, two, three, four perfect scores. Do you remember the tracks by any chance? Just as a fun um, little game. Um, Seasons in the Abyss and Dead Skin Mask are the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, and no, I can't. And the other ones were Spirit in Black and Expendable Youth. Uh-huh. There you go. And I gave, I also gave all of those tracks 10, but I also gave, uh, I gave six tens because I also gave Hallowed Point and Temptation. 10, which is why my score is slightly higher than yours. Um, any that were not 10s, we matched entirely. So Blood Red, we both gave 7. Um, Skeletons, we both gave 8. And Born of Fire, we both gave 9 to. So we've got four 20 out of 20s, basically. Um, how does that match up to previous albums? Hmm. What would you say, Doc, is your highest average score prior to this album? 
Oh, blimey. I, um, I, I get the idea that I've... My averages have come out a bit low because there's, there's kind of always been one, at least one song that I've really, really... Um, I guess my lowest on average will be the previous album because it had fucking Dissident Aggressor on it and it had fucking... Um, whatever the anti-abortion song is, um, Silent Scream. Sure. Well, you're low. Um, so the, you're there might have been a couple zeros in there. Mm. Your lowest um, scored album so far has was actually Hello Waits, which you gave an average of six out of ten to. Um, oh. And your highest was eight, which was Raining Blood uh, prior to this. So, so you've gone up a full, a full percentile, not, not percentile, a, a full kind of um, point. Full point. Yeah. Um, Whereas my previous lowest was, let me just have a quick scan, uh, South of Heaven, uh, which I gave 6.32. And of course, this one now being 9.4. Um, entertaining, never forget, Doc, by the way, very entertaining. You gave Haunting the Chapel an average of 6.66. Unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean this album. Clearly, for both of us, head and shoulders um, above anything other than Raining Blood, because Raining Blood, you gave an average of eight to, and I gave an average of 8.9 to. So only one point off, really. Uh, but everything else, everything else, Doc, for both of us, we're down in the sixes, you know. Point um, in the chapel, actually, I gave an average of eight to overall, but everything else, showing a mercy, hello, eights. South of Heaven, everything, everything else averages out at kind of between six and six point five, basically. And then we've yeah, got yeah. Blood, eight and eight point nine, respectively, and then this one, nine and nine point four, respectively. So there we go, Doc. Yeah. So raining blood and Caesars in the abyss, kicking it in terms of um our average scores. I must be honest, I'm not entirely surprised by that. I would have guessed <laughs> that they would turn out to be my favourite album score wise. It's interesting, it's interesting, isn't it, when you can take a very, um, I'm not going to say scientific, but a, a stats-based approach to, yeah. um, I guess, um, assessing perceived wisdom. Yeah. Um, so just so listeners know, we didn't, um, Mo's had a copy of the spreadsheet. I haven't had a copy of it. Yeah. I've answered on spec with no preparation at all, um, every single time. So... Um, apart from the unavoidable fact that we're only two people and we can only give the opinions of two people, mm. um, given the opinions over like a, dist a, a nicely distributed one year time mm. um, with no great social upheaval or personal trauma taking place for either of us. Mm -hmm. Apart, apart from the apart from the, the mini stroke, Doc. Don't forget the mini stroke. I'm, I'm going to make capital out of that as many times as I can. Um. Well, and apart from my cock dropping off as well. There we go. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so uh, this this is the closest that I think two people are going to be able to do but come to to doing a stats based approach. And it, it's interesting for me that we've absolutely confirmed perceived wisdom, haven't we? Mm. 
So far, we certainly have done, yeah. And it'll be interesting going forward. You know, if, if you look at review aggregator sites, the next album drops, and then the next album drops, and then the next album drops off a fucking cliff. So we'll see what happens, Doc. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we'll see. Um, are we done, Doc? Yeah, and it's it's an occasion of great sadness. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to say elegiac more than sadness, mm. of course. Um, the year 2021 will end tomorrow. Um, and the canon of, of classic Slayer has ended today. Mm. It um, hasn't, so, It has not. We've still got Divided Dimension to do. <laughs> so you say. I know, I know. Um, it's just me against the fucking... Me against the elements, man. Um, so it, it's... Um, it's bittersweet for me. Mm. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, you, you you said a couple of times that you don't think you've heard any Slayer past this point. You definitely have. You definitely have. Um, because we, we, we have listened to Divine Intervention together. And, mm. Yeah, we have. And you, 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 you made a sensational observation about um, a track of God Hates Us All, which I will remind you of when we get to that point, Doc. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, but but I think you've only heard bits and bobs. I don't think you've kind of heard whole albums from this point forward. Yeah. Doc, it's been an absolute pleasure spending time with you again. I've loved, loved, loved dissecting Seasons in the Abyss with you. Um, I think we both thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Um, but onwards and upwards. Um, although... Not quite yet, actually, is it? No, because, of course, next week we'll be doing... What are we, what are we doing next week, Doc? The covers, mate. The covers. Covers special. So next week, guys, it will be Seasons in the Abyss covers special. Hope you join me for that, Doc. Of course I will. Of course I will.